Welcome to Life Point. Pastor Tom is out this week, and Pastor Gary Moore will be sharing with us. May God bless your day. Here's Pastor Gary. Welcome to Life Point. I'm Gary Moore, and it's my privilege to sit in for Pastor Tom this week. I'm continuing to talk about boundaries in marriage, based on the book by the same title by Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. We closed yesterday's broadcast listing the Ten Laws of Boundaries. Today we're going to look at applying the first three of these to marriage. We'll look at them first as principles by which to structure your marriage rather than strategies. Hopefully this approach will help you to understand how boundaries work and therefore be able to help you solve some problems before they start. These laws of boundaries are not about marriage as it should be. They are about marriage as it really is. Just like the physical laws we've talked about before, the laws of boundaries are always in force whether or not we are aware of them. Law number one, the law of sowing and reaping. Simply put, this principle means that our actions have consequences. When we do loving, responsible things, people draw close to us. When we are unloving or irresponsible, people withdraw from us by emotionally shutting down or avoiding us or eventually leaving the relationship. When you sow mistreatment of people, you will reap people not wanting to be around you. God designed marriage to be a place not only of love, but of growth. One pathway to growth is learning that actions have consequences. Since marriage is such a close, long-term relationship, spouses deeply affect each other with their actions. The old saying, you always hurt the one you love, is really true. And this is why understanding and applying the law of sowing and reaping is so important, not only for the spouse who is taking on the problems of their partner, but also for the spouse who is shrinking responsibility. It is an act of love to allow our spouse to reap the effects of his or her selfishness or irresponsibility, unless, of course, we are acting out of revenge or a desire for our spouse to suffer. Boundaries are the key to obeying this law of sowing and reaping. When we set and keep limits with our spouse, we are saying to them, I may love you, but I'm not paying for your problems. Refusing to rescue your spouse, such as by refusing to cheer them up when they are pouting, refusing to sacrifice to pay off their credit card bill, calling in sick for them when they have been out partying the night before, helps keep the problem with them. The first law is played out in the two main areas of marriage, relationship and function. The relational part of marriage involves the emotional tie two people have to each other such as how deeply connected they are and how they feel about each other both positively and negatively. The functional part of marriage has to do with the doing aspects of the relationship, such as paying bills, managing time, cooking meals, keeping house, and rearing children. In the relational aspect of marriage, sowing and reaping has to do with how spouses affect and impact each other's heart. One example of relational sowing and reaping is the demanding wife who insists that every second of her husband's attention and time be spent on or with her. 
she sows self-centeredness and bondage, and he reaps resentment, guilt, and a loss of freedom. In the functional aspect of marriage, sowing and reaping is more easily identifiable because tasks are more concrete. For example, a husband may sow overspending, while his wife reaps the result of having to get a job or by scrimping on food and other necessities to meet the family budget. Or a wife may sow careless housekeeping, while her husband reaps discomfort in his own home and embarrassment when company comes over. In either aspect, the problem is the same. The one who has the problem isn't facing the effects of the problem. And things don't change in a marriage until the spouse who is taking responsibility for a problem that is not theirs decides to say or do something about it. This can range from mentioning how their spouse's behavior hurt their feelings all the way to setting a limit on the behavior. This helps place both the sowing and the reaping with the same person and begins to solve the boundary violation. Law number two. The Law of Responsibility A proper view of responsibility is necessary to set limits in marriage. On the one hand, when you marry, you take on the burden of loving your spouse deeply and caring for him or her as for no other. You care about how you affect your spouse. You care about your spouse's welfare and feelings. If one spouse feels no sense of responsibility to the other, the spouse is, in effect, trying to live married life as a single person. On the other hand, you can't cross the line of responsibility. You need to avoid taking ownership of your mate's life. The law of responsibility is this. We are responsible to each other, but not for each other. The Bible teaches it this way. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ and... Each one should carry his own load. Those verses are found in Galatians 6, verse 2, and verse 5. The word burden in verse 2 indicates a back-breaking boulder, such as financial, health, or emotional crisis. Spouses actively support each other when one is carrying an overwhelming burden. The term load in verse 5, however, indicates one's daily responsibilities of life. This includes one's feelings, attitudes, values, and handling of life's everyday difficulties. Spouses may help each other out with the load, but ultimately each person must take care of his own daily responsibilities. Two extremes occur in marriage when the law of responsibility is not obeyed. On the one hand, a husband will neglect his responsibility to love his wife. He may become selfish, inconsiderate, or hurtful. He will not consider how his actions affect and influence his mate. He is not following Jesus' law of how to treat one another. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is being irresponsible to a spouse. On the other hand, a husband may take on responsibility his wife should be bearing. For example, his wife may be unhappy, and he may feel responsible for her happiness. Perhaps he feels that he isn't making enough money, showing enough interest in her activities, or helping enough around the house. 
So he tries and tries to make an unhappy person happy. This is an impossible project. While a husband should be sympathetic toward his unhappy wife and take responsibility for his own hurtful behavior, he shouldn't take responsibility for her feelings. They are hers, and she must handle them herself. Finally, the law of responsibility also means that spouses refuse to rescue or enable the sinful or immature behavior of their partners. Couples have a duty to set limits on each spouse's destructive acts or attitudes. For example, if a husband has a gambling problem, his wife needs to set appropriate limits, such as canceling his credit cards, separating their joint accounts, or insisting that he gets professional help to force him to take responsibility for his problem. Law number three, the law of power. Well, this is an interesting one. Couples struggle with understanding what they have the power to change in their marriages. More often than not, they are concerned with changing not their own behavior, but their spouses. Human nature lends itself to trying to change and fix others so that we can be more comfortable. Ever ask out loud or say to yourself, How can I get my spouse to... This signals a power problem. Spouses often try to use boundaries to assert power over a mate, and it doesn't work. Mates have their own choices. How do you feel when someone tries to make you change? Resentful? Rebellious? Resistant? These aren't the attitudes of a person who is eager to change. The law of power clarifies what we do and don't have power over. First, let's talk about what we don't have power over. We have no power over the attitudes and actions of other people. We can't make our spouse grow up. We can't stop our spouse from exhibiting a troublesome habit or character flaw. We can't force our spouse to come home on time for dinner, to refrain from yelling at us, or to initiate conversations with us. The fruit of the Spirit, as listed in Galatians 5.23, is self-control, not other control. Think about it. God himself does not exercise such power over us even though he could. We don't have the power to make our spouse into the person we would like him or her to be, but we don't have the power to be the person we would like to be either. Being aware of our powerlessness over ourselves can help us realize how long it may take to learn to set appropriate limits in our marriage. So if for years you've been the codependent spouse, the one who takes responsibility for the actions of others. Don't expect to be able to have mature boundaries overnight. If you don't have the power to change your spouse, what do you have power over? You have the power to confess, submit, and repent of your own hurtful ways in your marriage. You can identify these hurtful ways, ask God for His help to overcome them, and be willing to change. Whatever your spouse does that bothers you, it's certain that you do things that bother him also. If you want your spouse to listen to your boundaries, ask him where you may be violating his. Few marriage problems are the result of 100% one spouse 
and 0% the other. You have the power to start identifying ways you are actively or passively contributing to the problem. And you have the power to change over time. Well, our time's gone for today. Join me tomorrow on LifePoint Plus as I look at the marriage of Mary and Joseph and three things we can learn from it. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.